Hi everyone, welcome back to Well Well. My name is Jarrell. I'm Rachel. Thanks for joining us again for another episode. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about mindfulness. And what mindfulness is and what it isn't and how you can apply it to your daily life, even if meditation and sitting still and all of the stereotypes that people think of when they think of mindfulness, even if that's not for you, we're going to talk about how being mindful really should just be you all the time. Yeah. And I think what's, it's interesting that you bring up sort of like public perception about mindfulness because it's something that's got gotten to be a really big wellness trend over the past couple of years. And so everyone's kind of doing it or saying that they're doing it. And I guess today's, the purpose of today's podcast is to kind of demystify it a little bit and get, help everyone have a different understanding potentially about, like you said, what it is, what it, what it isn't, um, and how you can apply it, even if it's like these sort of commonly thought of ways are not your jam. Yeah, I think it's become synonymous with meditation and yes. with self-care, even though I it can be a form of self-care because mm -hmm. when you do good for others and for the world, you feel good yourself. But I think it just become very synonymous with things like that. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea of like being in the present moment and very Zen and whereas yes, but I also think it's a lot more than that. Um, I think it's actually the best definition of it is just being aware of yourself and your environment around you. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I generally agree with that. I think that, the way that I was exposed to mindfulness was the idea of present centeredness. And the way I often talk about it with like people that I work with is it's this idea of being conscious or having consciousness about yourself and the world around you. And I think that to me, that is the mechanism by which someone can be present. So I often talk to people about, um, being present and utilizing your body as like a sensor to tap into the present moment. Cause oftentimes we're sort of like caught in our heads and either planning for the future, thinking about what's coming next, next or regretting things that have happened in the past or, you know, thinking about those things and being in your body can, I think is the simplest way to translate mindfulness and present centeredness to most people. So like, asking yourself, you know, how does something feel right now? What do you notice in, uh, you know, in the space that you're in? Do you, is there any tension in your body? All these sorts of sort of basic body oriented questions is how I most often talk about it. I think it's also just about checking in with yourself and seeing how you're doing. Nobody asks mm -hmm. ourselves that question. Mm -hmm. like, no one does that. I think even when we ask other people, how are you? We're not actually asking them because very right. often the answer is, oh, I'm fine. And then we keep it moving. Right. So that's how we end up asking ourselves how we're doing. And we tend to go on one end or the other. Like it's either we're fine or we're in a crisis and we're falling apart where that doesn't have to be. It's not that it's fine unless your life is in shambles. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be that dramatic. You can be not okay, but in one piece. And if you mm -hmm. don't ask yourself that and you have no idea what's going on for you, you don't need, you don't have the ability to cut off it becoming a serious situation. Mm -hmm. I tell clients all the time that 
if you need a good way to get in the habit of it, every time you walk into a bathroom, look in the mirror and ask yourself how you're doing. Take a pause and say, how am I? And then take a couple seconds, minute, listen to the answer. And that guarantees that you're going to be able to ask yourself that at least a few times a day. And if you're not, that means you're not hygienic and you're underhydrated. And that's a different <laughs> problem. So either way, that answers how you are, because then you need to drink some water and probably wash your hands. That's a good point. Um, people don't nearly wash their hands enough. Yeah, that's a It's really disgusting. Speaking of, that's actually a wonderful <laughs> transition into how mindfulness can affect you and your relationships and just the world around you because I agree people don't wash their hands enough which if you think about it is not just a problem for you especially it's still is it still cold and flu season it's March ish ish kind of I don't know it was 20 degrees last week so let's just say yes yeah but so not only are you exposing yourself to whatever germs are all over the stuff you just touched you are then becoming a bigger risk to others around Mm -hmm. you which I have to say I personally really don't appreciate like right. if you're going to be around me in the near future, please wash your hands and take care of yourself and all of that. But I think that's a really good example and gross example, sorry, about how being mindful of yourself and what you're doing impacts the rest of the world. Mm. Just it makes the world a better place. Mm. So then would you say that mindfulness is the same as being conscientious? Yeah, probably. I would say that mindfulness is this is the thing you need to do in order to be conscientious. Because to me, it's also being conscientious is the idea of just like the action like of how the doing, right? The doing of like mm. how what your actions um, are impact other people. Whereas in order to know that, you mm. need to be mindful, oh. and you might make the choice to say, "Hey, I'm kind of inconveniencing somebody else right now, but this is what I really need to do for me." And that's fine. There are situations in which that's absolutely necessary, Mm. but you're thinking about it and you're making it a choice rather than just kind of wandering through the world without knowing like what your impact on it is. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I think I hadn't thought about that explanation in terms of like mindfulness being the sort of like precursor to conscientiousness. Um, me either until you just said but that. that but that makes sense to me because like you said if you can be aware of yourself both like what you're like how you're feeling what your needs are what you're doing then you can make a conscious choice as to like how you want to navigate the space that you're in how you want to interact with the people who are around you um and that sort of thing um but i wanted to sort of go back for a moment um and ask you because this is something I've been trying to wrap my brain up, uh, wrap my head around. It's just the idea of like, why mindfulness? Do you have any thoughts as to why it's become this huge kind of trend? I think it is become lumped in with the self-care aspect. And I mm. think being mindful for yourself is very, when you think of mindfulness, like synonymous with meditation, like I think it's become... It is very relaxing. Like it is very Zen and very freeing to bring yourself to the present moment and try to get your mind away from your massive to-do list or what's going to happen later or something you're stressed about or work or whatever Mm. and bring it into the present moment and say, okay, what's going on around me? And usually you get to experience things that you miss 
Like if you're not being mm-hmm. mindful of the nice weather, you might not notice like how nice the sun feels or, mm-hmm. you know, how soft the pants you're wearing are mm-hmm. or anything like that. And so I think that is really instant gratification into, oh, this feels really good to be more present in this like even five minute time span of like my meditation practice. Mm-hmm. So you think it's, you, you think mindfulness has gotten popular because it's become this very quick tool for self-care yeah definitely Hmm. yeah it's it's interesting because a lot of people do equate um even in you know potential clients that come to me talk about they say like oh i practice mindfulness and so then we get to talking about it a bit more and they mean meditation i'm like i'm like oh so those aren't the same things um again it's kind of like the same conversation about like mindfulness uh leading to conscientiousness Mindfulness is a way to, I guess, sort of um, get towards meditation or work towards meditation, Um, but they are not the same thing. Um, And so I think it's been interesting for me to talk to people about it because because it's gotten so popular, people are talking about it so much. They're like, oh, I practice mindfulness, I practice mindfulness. I'm like, well, how do you practice mindfulness? And they say meditation and oftentimes, people have a hard time with meditation. And so the problem with that is, is that if they think they're failing with meditation, then they also think that they're failing at mindfulness because they think they're the same thing. Right. And mindfulness is related in the sense of like, I hope, I don't know much about meditation practice because I'm really bad at it, but I hope that you are mindful in your meditation. But mindfulness to me is just being aware of your impact and knowing that like you are part of a greater whole Mm -hmm. on a daily basis. Like Mm -hmm. you can be mindful right now. Like for example, I'm not shouting into the podcast mic because I am being mindful of the volume of our wonderful people who are listening and they probably don't want me to be screaming (laughs) at them right now. You know, it's being mindful of, and this is my PSA because it's like my giant pet peeve ever, but if you're walking on the wrong side of the sidewalk, like being mindful of that, Hey, you're actually kind of getting in a lot of people's way. Like maybe you should move to the right a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a giant bag on the subway that you're aware of what that might be doing to someone else, if you have it like in their face and being aware of that. And that to me is mindfulness, which has absolutely nothing to do with meditation because I right. don't know how anybody meditates or gets <laughs> any type of Zen moment on the New York city subway. So that's just how you're aware of yourself and the world around you, like on a daily basis. And it might seem really small, but I know I'm having an infinitely better day if someone's large grocery tote is not in my lap as I'm sitting mm-hmm. on train. Yeah. Can I tell you something about if you're talking about like how anyone meditates on the subway? You meditate on the it's subway. It's one of my favorite yeah, places to meditate. Really <laughs> and people, well, because people often think that it is like so impossible to do. It is. I don't think so. Um, I think it's, and I, I guess maybe I've sort of practiced meditation, like my own unique form for a while. And to me, it's a really nice challenge to see how much I am able to sort of manage the distractions, focus in on myself or whatever um, I'm trying to meditate on it's actually really nice. And there are sometimes, for me, it's also a practical issue because of time. So if I'm having to commute back and forth to the office, um, having that time of that commute 
can eat away at my self-care time. And so I'm usually always listening to music anyway. So one of the things I have done is sort of put on one of our relaxation playlists and plug. yeah, a little bit of a plug. Yeah. So we, so we create these relaxation playlists and there are these sort of like ambient music kind of things and uh, playlist. And I, it's a really good way to, I think, practice meditation on a subway with some really good headphones. You'd be surprised how good you could feel. Um, and I can only do that because I don't need to be really conscious being on the subway in terms of like, I'm not operating <laughs> the machinery. <laughs> so if you're driving, please don't do that. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's an, it's an interesting place to, to do it and sort of challenge yourself. I think doing it in public too, um, is just interesting. So like in the park, when the, like the weather is nice, I love doing that. Um, some people are really embarrassed by that idea of just like sitting somewhere and meditating. It doesn't really bother me. Also in New York city, it's like, I don't know. They're far weirder, stranger things to look out for. I had no idea you meditate in public and like, I'm <laughs> you, but also apparently Gerald's Zen person alive because I can't even meditate my house. But for those of you who can, maybe you can try it on the subway or in the park. I'm sure it would make your commute a lot easier mm -hmm. as opposed to me who is aware of everyone and everything around me. And that's not always a good thing. Yeah. So I don't know. It, there's, I think there's space to, to do things like that. Um, and obviously like anything else, it is a, it's a muscle that you strengthen over time. So when just going back to people talking about practicing mindfulness or meditation, um, people expect, especially with meditation, expect that they're doing like this amazing job at it and that they're not being distracted ever and these sorts of things. And that's not, like a prerequisite of meditation. Meditation is the practice. You're developing a muscle to limit distractions and to return your focus back um, to whatever themes or ideas that you're trying to focus on in your practice. And that's really just about developing a muscle and, and not much more, so. Yeah, I think it's about making a choice. You know, the idea of mindfulness generally is just to be aware of everything that's happening so you can make the choice that's best for you. You know, I, I don't want to go too far on the other end to say that mindfulness is like constantly being aware of what you're doing and how it's affecting everyone else, because that's really stressful. And especially if you are in New York city, you'll know that people can get really mad at you for sitting there. Right. And there are definitely times in which, you know, in relationships and conversations with people in your life that you might think you're being very aware to be respectful of somebody else, but they, for whatever reason, took it an entirely different way mm -hmm. and then they're offended. Mm -hmm. And so you can't always know your impact on other people right. and that'll get stressful real fast. Yeah. So it's not necessarily about like, oh, let me make sure I'm always catering to the people around me, but it's that you have the awareness as best as possible about what's going on and how you're feeling and you can make a decision. So a good example of that is like, there are times where I'm in pain. Um, I have chronic pain for those of you who are new here. Welcome, by the way, <laughs> wow. that I will take up more space on a train or on a bench or wherever I'm sitting that could somebody come sit there and note before everybody starts like 
angrily DMing me. I do not do this on crowded trains, but it's like, but that's a choice I'm making for me based on what I need in the moment. Now, that being said, if someone came over to me carrying, you know, a ton of bags on the train and needed to sit down or like have their leg that had just fallen off earlier that day or was pregnant or was like, hey, I'm about to pass out. Can I please sit down? Obviously, then I'm making a different choice. But it's about making that choice rather than being the person who's just totally unaware of everything on both ends of being unaware of what's going on in my body to know what I need and what's going on with people around me to know what the what I need to respond to because of the environment. Mm -hmm. And do you think uh, because we've both written about mindfulness on our blog and in other like sources? Yeah, guys, go read the blog and please look left when you're crossing the drive in Central Park. (laughs) Yeah, so I was going to bring that up because we've been talking about, right, like the idea, especially in public, about being, uh, using mindfulness to be conscientious and aware of people and things around you. And this was, I thought you did a, you wrote a really good post about like that idea. No one looks left. I'm going to ruin the blog post a little bit, but you still (laughs) have to read it. You're right. Please, please go read it. So... For those of you who are not familiar with Central Park, which you really should be, it's the greatest place ever, but (laughs) there is a large loop that is used for running and biking and walking when there is no sidewalk. But if there is a sidewalk and you're walking, please go to the sidewalk. Second PSA. Do you know what it's called? The drive. The Central Park drive. No, where the loop. What? Around the water, what it's called. What loop around the water? We are talking about different things. I know. You're talking about the drive. Right. What are you talking about? I'm talking about, about the, the reservoir. The Jackie of NASA Kennedy. I was going to say, name. do you know the whole name? <laughs> no, I don't know her whole name. I think it's uh, the... Jacqueline ja- Kennedy. Jackie. Onassis. I never Jackie know what Kennedy. order that actually Yeah, yeah. That's in. the right one. Because she was yeah. after right. he died. Yeah. Jackie but that Kennedy. would be another one because you're only supposed to travel to the right, but people go the other way. It's wrong. Right. Anyway. Right. On the main drive, there are various points in which you can cross the street and people will look. So if you're going forward in the direction I call forward, which is downtown first, people look to the right and they'll see you and everybody looks to the right. But if you're going backwards or uptown first, no one looks to the left. It's actually pretty crazy because I thought that when we were a little kid, you learned look both ways before you cross the street. So there is a freakish amount of times in which I have to yell at people, which is very hard to do when you're running, because otherwise I'm literally going to plow over them because Mm. I I can't stop in time. It's just not going to happen. And people dart out of there. But my blog post was centered on like why mindfulness matters in the theme of everyone needs to look left because otherwise you're getting run over. And that can Mm. be literally if you're in Central Park or metaphorically, if Mm. you're just talking about life. Also, left, right, left is how you're supposed to look. Is that true? Yes, because do you did you ever learn this? No. Specifically? Okay, so this is why you learn this. I think it's based on when you're driving. So, so uh, and obviously we're in America, so we're driving on the right side of the street. Um, it's really problematic because I was about to, when you're saying that, I'm thinking like, oh, we're driving on the left. We don't drive we on the don't, left. No. The driver's you side is on, on the right. left. Correct. There we go. Anyway. So, left, right, left is because if you're, let's say you're pulling out into the street, the, because of the, that we drive on the right side of the street, the person in the left side is going to hit you first. 
Oh, that's so smart. Right. So you look left first to make sure it's clear. Then you move out. Then you look right. Oh, that's and actually look, true. Right. And that's, as you move further yeah. out, you look left again just to make sure that right. person is, hasn't come in because they will right. hit you first. But that is actually such a good example <laughs> right. of how mindfulness is both you and other people. Right. Because if you're driving, one, I assume you don't want your car hit. And two, right. you could injure somebody else. So it's both. It's not usually in ser- uh, just in service of another person. Right. It's usually just in service of making the situation and the environment around you as comfortable and less aggressive and hostile as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And I... You know, on a good day, I give people all the credit in the world. It's not like people mean to dart in front of me. They're just not aware. Mm -hmm. And it's not like, I hope, I'm sure there are some people who, where I'm like, my mind is blown because I'm like, how could you not know that walking seven people across the sidewalk is going to be a problem for somebody? I hate that so much. Like, how are you not? Not even seven people. just not understand? Like three people. Yeah. Oh, I've seen seven people cross the entire Central Park Drive. It's kind of crazy. That makes no sense. I don't understand. But... Of, if you're not that, you're probably not aware. And mm. it's not like a malicious act, but think of, and this is obviously really over-dramatizing, like, the drive in Central Park. But even the a car is a good example of that. Mm-hmm. Like, that could be real problematic real mm-hmm. fast just because of lack of awareness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're not perfect. We're not robots. Like, nobody's going to be aware and totally, you know, yeah. not in their head all the time. But I feel like the world would be a lot better of a place if everybody just made it a point to be more aware and check in with themselves when they're in a situation of like, how is my presence impacting my myself, others in the environment around me? Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I think uh, it's important for people to be a lot more aware and mindful. I mean, obviously we have a pretty unique perspective on this because we live in a major, I guess the major city. And in the world. right. Yeah. And there are millions of people, literally. And it's so important just to be mindful about, like, if you're on the subway, things about uh, about your bag, about um, whatever, about your person, and, and just knowing where your body is in relation to someone else. Because one, like, we're all kind of packed in anyway. So you want to make yourself as comfortable as possible, but you also want other people, at least I want other people to feel as comfortable as possible. So you know, if I'm standing up on the train, I I try to be mindful, especially as a man, about like my crotch being in someone's space. Oh, that's really nice of you. So I like, so sometimes I know. It's, I don't mean that sarcastically. So many right. people don't do that. Yeah, people really don't think about it. I'm, but I've when I've been sitting down, I'm like, okay, but like, can I not have your crotch in my face? And so <laughs> such, a, such a complicated request. Right. That's for so much. Right. And so whenever I'm on the train, like you can. I don't know, it's hard to describe, but I often don't create enough space for someone to stand behind me because I'm trying to make sure that my stuff isn't in someone's face when it doesn't have to be. And it's just like that little bit of thought is so is so helpful because it makes that person more comfortable. And then I also don't feel bad about just like invading someone's personal space, which is already limited in a place like New York City. So Yeah, and you'd be surprised how not mindful people are here. Despite that, I've been sat on, Mm. like on the train. Mm -hmm. I'm not even kidding. I'm sitting there minding my own business, and I have been sat on. And I don't mean people who wedge themselves in a spot that is not big enough for a human. I mean, Mm. like, actually sat on. And somebody then looks surprised, like, oh, you're here. It's like, (laughs) I am. (laughs) And 
please don't sit on me. <laughs> That's just not something I need in my day. It's very alarming to be sat on by a stranger. And if anybody is listening from not a major metropolitan area, you're probably like, why does anyone live here? <laughs> but I kid you not, it's just, it's a very alarming thing to be sat on by a stranger. It's like you're trying to scroll through Twitter on the subway. Yeah, I don't think that's happened to me so yeah it's it's a lot I almost screamed <laughs> well yeah I would just be like so alarmed yeah just but like there's a person on me right it's right it's just not it's not fun that's it's a, not a good day yeah but it's obviously that's a very extreme example I hope most people have not sat on others but it's just mm. the idea of if you think about all of the recent times where you wish you had done something differently or ran into somebody and didn't realize it or dropped something how aware of yourself and your environment were you? Mm-hmm. And there are times, you know, listen, that I, uh, funny story is I went to a yoga class yesterday and there was a mat sitting there and I said to somebody, hey, is this anybody's mat? And somebody was just kind of like, no. And I was like, okay, cool. And in retrospect, I absolutely should have looked around or waited, but I was like, okay, somebody says this is their mat. And I like went and I put it away and someone comes back and is like, where's my mat? And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just took somebody's word for it. And mm. you know, sure I was lied to, right. but also if I had been in like less of a hurry to like get my shit together, right. I would have been aware like, oh, there are people from the last class that are staying for this class. Maybe I should go elsewhere rather than just being in this hurry to be like, I won't put my mat down right now. Right. And it's just an awareness, you know, we're going to make mistakes and there's going to be times where we're like, oh, okay, that was dumb. Should have thought of that. But it's just to be more present and more just going back to the word we used before, like conscientious of like what's going on around you. Mm -hmm. And I think it'll make you happier too, because they're just, you'll know how you're doing. And if you do make a choice to say, hey, you know, I'm kind of being an ass right now and I'm being incon- I'm inconveniencing other people or, you know, I'm jumping up front in line because I need something really, whatever it is, at least you're then making a choice mm-hmm. rather than being caught off guard and be like, oh my God, I had no idea that, you know, my, I'm sitting on another human being. Right. <laughs> well, and I even like, this is kind of funny, but um, I talk, like I've talked to clients about being petty before because, you know, like sometimes something happens in a relationship and you're pissed off and you're like, all right, I'm just like, oh, I think I should do this. And I'm like, you realize you're being very petty, right? And they're like, is it? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, I, I shouldn't. I was like, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying, just know what you're doing because oh <laughs> sometimes you like, that's just human. Sometimes we're going to be petty. Oh my God. Yeah. So can I tell you a story <laughs> that you actually have not heard? So you're, okay. you're going to have a very genuine reaction. Exclusive. <laughs> so... Listen, sometimes, and I, I, I don't want to be hateful to runners that are men. Uh-oh. I have, I, there are a lot of men runners that I really enjoy, but every once in a while you get one that really just feels very strongly about a woman running faster than them. Mm. Even if it's not a race, even if it's not for anything, I mean, even during a race, like who cares, but right. it's just in the middle of Central Park on a random Saturday. To the point that this gentleman like elbowed me in the ribs because he like had to get in front of back in front of me. Like on a random day in the park? Like this was yesterday. Oh, so not even like not even a race. No. Like, still should not happen. It like he but. like hit me because he 
I had gotten a little bit in front of him and then he had a cut back in front of me. Right. Okay. And so I give him the benefit of the doubt because I'm trying to be mindful of that other people, you know, have experiences. It doesn't always have to do with me. But then anytime like I would get even like a half a step in front of him, he would like freak out and need to like get back in front of me. And I don't know why, like this has happened before, but I don't know why this was like particularly bothersome. I think it was just because he was just so like completely unaware. Like I yelled after he hit me and he didn't even turn around. So I made the active decision to troll him. Mm. So then I got like right behind him. Like I wasn't touching him, not anything like disrespectful or trying to trip him, but it was a little disrespectful. But <laughs> right. I then was like directly behind him in his wake. And so if he sped up that I would speed up to be like a foot or less behind him. And then if he slowed down, I would do the same thing. <laughs> and he was getting real salty. Like at one point, this went on for maybe like a quarter of a mile. And then he like grunted in frustration and turned off the drive. <laughs> And I felt like I won. Like, that was my smashing the patriarchy for the day. Right. But that was an active choice. Right. I was like, I'm going to be petty now right. because this right. is ridiculous. Yeah. In a different situation, had I felt less safe doing so mm-hmm. or had I not had time or whatever, I might choose something else. But I, before I decided to be petty and run in his wake, I asked myself if I really wanted to do that. Right. The answer that day was yes, and right. I don't regret that for a second. Right. And that won't necessarily be the answer every day. Right. Right. Or every moment. And I think that's, I don't know, I think it's so important because just even if we take a take a moment to talk about it from like the therapy uh, aspect and people come in and they say like, I want my life to be better. I want to change certain things, certain behaviors. Like you can't do that if you don't know. Right. Right. And so you can't make choices if they're all automatic or you're not aware of them in the moment and so like that is if nothing else that is one big benefit of mindfulness and like trying to develop that practice and that awareness is because you can then make those choices that you want to make and you can be the person that you want to be which sometimes will be super sweet and nice other times will be petty and that's okay because that's what we are as people yeah it's you don't always have to make the quote-unquote right choice or the choice that might be the most objectively beneficial to you. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking of like relationships that people Mm -hmm. might know aren't going well or have some elements that they're not thrilled with, but they're like, I'm not done. I'm not ready to be done. I'm not ready to be done with this person. I'm not ready to be done with this situation, with this job, whatever. But you're aware and you're aware of the situation and you're making a choice rather than being in a place where it's like, well, it's not that bad or I'm fine. It's Mm -hmm. no, like you're not fine. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. If you're not ready to remove yourself from a situation, if you're not fine or you're not ready to make a change, you're not ready to say something or whatever it is, but at least you're aware of the situation, aware of its impact on you. And you're making a conscious choice rather than just, you know, kind of putting blinders on. That's how we end up, you know, in this really huge mess of a situation or just not doing really well. That's when like breakdowns and freakouts happen, Mm -hmm. which are going to happen regardless, but at least it's something where you can hopefully minimize them surprising you or minimize them happening when you're just, you're making a choice rather than just letting things happen to you. Yeah. And, and not being like completely disoriented once something changes or something happens. Right. 
right? Because if you see something coming, you like you have this feeling and you know that you've had this feeling that things weren't going well in a relationship, for instance, then then you kind of, you know, and you've already started to emotionally prepare in a sense, right? So it's mindfulness also helps with a little bit of like emotional rehearsal, those sort of things is that if you're mindful about how you're feeling about something, especially if it's ongoing, then if it changes or worsens or something, then you've already kind of built some resilience to say like, okay, I've dealt with this so far. It doesn't need to completely disable me in this moment. Yeah. And it can be even with things that are simple and less life-changing. So I'm going to shout out a friend of ours who is absolutely listening to this and is going to know that I'm talking about her, but she is lactose intolerant. And yet, really <laughs> likes desserts. I was like, what were we um, talking about? Yeah, no, you know exactly what we're talking about. <sighs> and so she carries lactate pills with her when <laughs> she decides that she's going to eat a bunch of sugar. And s'mores are her favorite. So in case you didn't know who I was talking about, person I'm talking about, you do now. <laughs> but, but it's preparing. It's saying, you know what? Hey, this might hurt a little bit. And this might, you know, make me not feel so great. Or this might require a lactate pill, but I'm choosing it rather than being like, oh, I just downed this whole thing of ice cream. Like, oh, I don't feel well. Like, surprise. Mm-hmm. You're making a choice. Mm-hmm. And some you can argue that that is not the choice that you should be making. But not going to mm-hmm. lie, there are certain foods that if I was just like allergic to, I'm yeah. just eating it anyway. Sometimes it's like that. Like, people who can't eat chocolate like yeah, I, don't I can't know. that would be hard i, I might opt to throw up I don't no a hundred percent it actually so uh, dogs can't eat chocolate yeah uh, and like once i got my dog i was like this is something we can't share it's so I, felt like I was like i was kind of devastated by that idea i was like she doesn't get to experience the wonder that is chocolate and i love chocolate so much it's just really sad it i is, feel really bad yeah. Uh, also, I also really like grapes, not on the same level as chocolate, but right. it makes me sad that dogs can't eat grapes, right. too. Yeah, so such good stuff. And dogs just really deserve chocolate. <laughs> they really like, do. Way more than people do. Right, I agree. Um, but the, you know, we talked a little bit about how, like, mindfulness can breed conscientiousness and, like, these sort of actions and behaviors that make you more aware. And we talked a little bit about the benefit of being mindful to, like, self so obviously it can help you be aware of how you're feeling about something, it can help impact your choices um, and that sort of thing. And I also think just in terms of like the body stuff, it's so important to be mindful and because there's so many different benefits. Like obviously if you're aware of what's happening with your body, naturally most people are going to start making adjustments to say like, all right, if sitting this way hurts, I'm going to move, right? Or if I'm not, if I feel like I'm breathing uh, in a really shallow way and it's making me nervous, let me try and practice some mindful deep breathing and I can feel more relaxed. And so it's kind of like, there's just so many benefits, both like mentally and physically to being more mindful. You can practice mindful breathing, which will Also, one, it will help you stay more in the present, which will make you less anxious. It also lowers stress hormones such as cortisol and adrenaline. It also lowers your blood pressure. Um, And so it's like, what, like, why wouldn't you try? Like, why wouldn't you want to use this perspective or philosophy and find a way that works for you, obviously? Um, Because it's, for most people, it's pretty accessible 
and relatively easy to tap into. Yeah, I like that question. Why wouldn't you at least try it? Yeah. Because it doesn't seem like there's a downside to at least practicing and trying it out in certain situations. Nobody's good at anything right away. Right. So it's okay if, you know, it doesn't go well or doesn't feel comfortable, but it feels like something that why would you not? I don't, I don't see a downside. If anybody would like to share one, feel free, but I don't see a downside right now. Right. And that's, and that's the thing I, I like about it and why it's something that's so important to me is because there are so many different approaches, tools, methodologies, treatments, et cetera, for a whole host of things. And mindfulness, at least for me, has been one of those uh, things that like has very little negative output. Worst case scenario, most of the time is that you try and practice something and you don't, you don't feel better afterwards. You don't like feel that difference. And then you think, oh, I've wasted this amount of time doing that. And, but to your point is that it does take practice. You know, it's a, it's a skill set to be able to be mindful. And so it's not something you should have really these like grand expectations of when you start right away, because no one's really great at it when they start. There's like, even in meditation, there's this whole idea um, called like the monkey mind, which is, <laughs> have you heard that? Wait, is, say, say what it is. The mon- so the monkey. I feel like I read a that I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. So the, the monkey mind is basically when your thoughts are bouncing around to all these distractions and other things in your environment. So like people experience it a lot when they're first starting to meditate because they're trying to focus so intensely on something and their brain is like shooting up all these other thoughts or feelings or reactions to things. And it's hard for people to quiet that monkey. Yeah, there is a... I guess sports psychology book I read that mm. I don't remember the title of, but we can put it in the show notes because it's going to bother me. So I'm going to look <laughs> it up. So if you'd like to read it, um, that basically says you have a professor brain and a chimp brain. Oh, chimp. Yeah. Yeah. And that the chimp brain operates. It's basically how you would think a chimp would. Mm-hmm. And your professor brain is the more logical brain. That's like, no, you shouldn't eat the entire box of Oreos. The chimp is like freaking out being like, but I want to, or, you know, even in the context, it was in the context of running, obviously, of course, because me and I read it. But <laughs> that saying, like, the chimp is the one that's, like, freaking out at you halfway through a race because it's like, oh, my God, this is hard. Mm-hmm. You have to stop immediately. You're going to die. Yep. And that your professor brain is like, actually, you're not in any danger. You're mm-hmm. fine. Um, and I think it's that balance, you know, that goes back and forth. So I think it's just really funny uh, they call it monkey mind because that's a funny and- way to say it. Was that written by a, it was a sports psychologist? I want to say yes. Maybe. Again, linked in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, because, we'll, we'll figure yes. it out. But I want to say yes. Okay. Because what's interesting is, is that it, the, the conversation between the chimp brain or monkey mind and the professor is uh, a mindfulness tool, tool that's often used in a form of therapy called dialectical behavioral therapy. Oh, that's true. And it's called the wise mind is the skill. And so we'll also send you some information about that. Uh, We'll put that in the show notes as well. But it's like, it's that idea between basically a strictly emotional, impulsive id for all you like psych majors, sort of jumping out at you and saying, I want this, this is is what's happening. This is what needs to happen. There's all the fear, the anxiety, all those immediate emotions. And then there's the other side, the professor or the logical, reasonable person who helps create that balance so that you get to the wise mind, which is 
this very solid, grounded place in which you honor your emotions, your desires, all that stuff, but you also make choices that are good for you. Right. And going back to something you said about it not necessarily feeling beneficial right away, Mm. whether, and this is with anything, whether it's mindfulness, meditation, exercise routine, like eating, whatever, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Sometimes it doesn't feel good right away, but that doesn't mean you're not going to see long-term benefits. And I think that is a huge, and I feel like this could be a whole nother podcast. Maybe it will be, note to self, (laughs) that we live very much in an instant gratification culture. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that's great. You know, they're speaking of food when Mm -hmm. there are times where I want a thing, I'm going to eat a thing. Like if I want pizza, pizza's happening within the hour. And there is a time and a place for that. (laughs) But a lot of times what you put into something, the effort you put in, you're not necessarily reaping the rewards of it at the same time. It's that quote that's like, the day you plant the seeds is not the day that you see the flowers. I've never heard that. Oh, really? It's all everywhere. But that's a great way to put it. Yeah. And it's just, I think that's true of a lot of things. And, you know, we, we, again, we could talk about this forever, but how we get Mm -hmm. this way. But I think a lot of us are stuck in the mindset of like, oh, this isn't working because I'm not seeing the results that I want to right now. It's like, try it for a little bit. See if, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of two weeks that you, if you notice a difference at the end of 30 days, that's like the big, you know, first kind of sign when you're starting a new habit that you'll see something change and it'll start to stick. Yeah. See how you feel after a month. See how you feel after three months. Like put the time and energy into it. Because most of the best things we'll put effort into, you're not seeing results right away. And we got to get out of that mindset because I think that stops us on a lot of things. And that's a, we're going to record a podcast on that later. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think that brings up the, the part that we've sort of mentioned before about mindfulness and meditation not being the same thing. Right. And I think because people, people often quit meditating because it's really hard. And so then they quit mindfulness altogether. And so a lot of times when I talk to people, I'm trying to help them unlearn the sort of negative association with uh, meditation and mindfulness, because there's very little at stake for mindfulness and it's not the same as meditation. So you don't, if you don't do well with meditation, that's okay. You can still practice mindfulness in a way that makes sense for you. I'm really bad at meditation, but I still look left. (laughs) Take that little piece of information away from this podcast. Yeah, for sure. So as we close, though, I want to extend a challenge to you is that to try to practice mindfulness at least once a day Mm -hmm. for the next seven days. See how it feels. And if it's not detrimental, try it for another week. See how that goes. And just kind of start, start small. Give yourself a really easy place to start and then build from that as soon as you're ready. And I think if you're trying to start something else too, use that strategy as well. Start small to see how, just add it once to your day. Yeah. And I, and I like what you talked about earlier in terms of inviting people to check in with themselves when they go to the restroom. Yeah. Look in the mirror, I, ask yourself how you're doing. I, I tend to be a little extra on the mindfulness front. So you don't say, yeah, imagine <laughs> meditation uh, on the subway and then the parks. So one thing I've told clients before, and this is obviously is not going to work for everyone. It's a little dramatic, but every, <laughs> but every time you cross a threshold, ask yourself how you're doing. I really, really, really like that you say, I say a threshold. it sound a little dramatic and then go, well, I cross a threshold. Right. I, like listen. Going, Ta-da. I, listen, 
because a doorway for everyone else uh, that's who is true. less dramatic. That's true. A doorway. It took me a second to be like, like what's the threshold? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah, so you know, so but it is basically that idea of like using something that you already do. If you're trying to get into mindfulness, you're trying to be more conscious of yourself and aware. Do couple it with something that you already do. You already have to use the restroom, hopefully. hopefully right, everybody. Um, wash your hands. <laughs> wash your hands. Sing the happy birthday song slowly to yourself internally. What? Yeah, that's that's how long it should take. Oh, that sounds terrible. I'd have oh. happy birthday stuck in my head every single day for the rest <laughs> of my life. So, you know, you can be, that's one way to sort of get into mindfulness a bit is like when you go to the restroom, ask yourself like, how am I doing? How, how's my body feel? How, how am I feeling emotionally right now? Do I need something that I haven't gotten? Uh, it can be a great way to start this process of being more mindful, checking in with yourself. And that's a relatively easy way to go about it. And maybe that's all it has to be for you, but maybe it could develop into something else later. But as we've talked about today, allowing yourself to do that, taking the opportunity to do that can have a whole host of health benefits, lowering your blood pressure, can help your body feel a bit better. It can help you cope with some anxiety and stress in your life. It's just the benefits are really endless. Yep, it's very true. And remember, walk to the right, look left when you're in Central Park, and just, you know, don't sit on people on the train. (laughs) Of course. Um, So with that, we will wrap up today's episode. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to listen to all of our podcasts, both available on iTunes and Spotify. Please subscribe to us, rate us and review us. Let us know what you want to hear. If there are topics that you'd like to hear covered, if you have questions about health that you would really enjoy hearing us talk about, please let us know. Yeah, and definitely leave that rating and review. That is how other people can find us and we would really appreciate it. Ask questions, tell us that we're wonderful, you know, all kinds of things like that. Do both in the same review. Just tell us that we're great and then ask a question. That would be just the best thing ever. Yes. And you can find us on social media. Feel free to reach out to us there. I am at Rachel Gersten on Instagram and Twitter. Jarell is at Jarell Carabello at it, on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find Viva Wellness at, at Viva Wellness NYC on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Yes. So. Thank you for joining us and we will talk to you next time. Bye.